Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez uh, in the House and uh, working with Senator uh, Ed Markey in the Senate, uh, pr- pr- produced and uh, launched the Green New Deal legislation. Uh, on Thursday, Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Senators Ed Markey unveiled a landmark resolution cementing the pillars of an unprecedented program to zero out planet warming emissions and restore the middle class prosperity of post-war America that the original New Deal helped spur. Just three months, just three months after calls for a Green New Deal electrified a a long stagnant debate on the climate policy, the Democratic lawmakers released the six-page document outlining plans to cut global emissions 40 to 60 percent below 2010 levels by 2030 and to neutralize human-caused greenhouse gases entirely by 2050. So pretty damn ambitious. Quote, today is a big day for workers in Appalachia, Ocasio-Cortez said Thursday at a press conference in Washington, D.C. Today is a good day for children who have been breathing dirty air in the Bronx and Flint and East Chicago and everywhere. It's an ambitious, if measured, clarion call for action that, if accomplished, would transform the United States into the leader in decarbonizing and clear a path forward for the world to avert catastrophic warming. The joint, revolu- the joint resolution stakes out a 10-year national mobilization plan to, smart- to build smart grids and rapidly increase the share of American power generated from solar and wind from 10% today to as close to 100% as possible over the next decade. The plan reframes ref- t- tired talk of repairing the nation's crumbling bridges, highways, and posts as a crisis in the new era of billion-dollar storms. It gets local, demanding upgrades to all existing U.S. buildings to achieve maximum efficiency with energy and water use. That holistic framing extends to the way the document describes emissions, mentioning carbon just once and instead using the term greenhouse gases, which includes methane, nitrous oxide, and ozone. Energy and infrastructure issues are the centerpiece of the resolution with explicit goals of overhauling the transportation sector the country's biggest source of climate pollution, to expand public transit and high-speed rail and to spur a, quote, clean manufacturing boom with a particular focus on electric vehicles. But unlike most existing Green New Deal concepts, food and water are focal points. The resolution proposes building a more sustainable food system that ensures universal access to healthy food and, quote, guaranteeing universal access to clean water. To meet Those goals, the document describes, quote, working collaboratively with farmers and ranchers to reduce agricultural pollution with, quote, sustaining sustainable farming and land use practices that increase soil health and supporting family farming. Unabashedly progressive ideals anchor the resolution. A section outlining guidelines for future Green New Deal bills reads like a laundry list of populist policies, including everything from ramped up antitrust enforcement, quote, ensuring a commercial environment where every business person is free from unfair competition and domination by monopolies, to a vastly expanded social safety net, providing all people of the United States high quality health care, affordable, safe and adequate housing, economic security, and access to clean water, air, and healthy and affordable food and nature. Yet the resolution seems designed for broad appeal. The fact that Markey, a liberal stalwart who co-authored the last major climate bill Democrats tried to pass in 2009, is the lead Senate sponsor shows the insurgent. Ocasio-Cortez wing is building bridges with the old guard. 
The resolution itself avoids controversial technologies to remove greenhouse gases from the atmosphere, instead calling for low-tech solutions such as large-scale preservation and planting new forests to absorb carbon already in the atmosphere. In a news release, Ocasio-Cortez's team said carbon capture, quote, technology to date has not proven effective. The resolution contains more obvious compromises. In a departure from the initial protest that gave rise to the Green New Deal, the document avoids explicitly calling for ending fossil fuel development. It leaves open the possibility of keeping existing nuclear power plants in place until after the initial 10-year mobilization plan is complete, admitting that, quote, we are currently unsure if we'll be able to decommission every every nuclear plant that fast. Quote, the resolution is silent on any individual technology which could remove us towards a solution on this problem, Markey said at the press conference. This is a resolution that does not have individual prescriptions in it. We are open to whatever works. Uh, I think it's a very, very good start. I don't know if it's ambitious as the Green New Deal uh, originally authored by the Green Party, but it's certainly a major, major step in the right direction. I don't like uh, that it doesn't call for an immediate um, ban on fracking and things like that. Maybe it does, and I just didn't read that. But from my quick research on this, it did not call for a ban on fracking, which is one of the most uh, problematic things attributed to climate change. So uh, this was a positive thing. I mean, she's only been in Congress for a month, and she's already put, putting forth uh, big, big scale legislation along with uh, Senator Ed Markey. I think that's a positive step. Uh, she's not sitting there, you know, just tweeting. She's putting forward real legislation. So Nancy Pelosi, you would think on the day that one of her freshmen, star, widely popular uh, uh, congresswomen, who, by the way, the Green New Deal is polling at 81 percent support, 81 percent support. So, you know, that means it's not going to go anywhere because the more American citizens support something, the more Congress says, fuck you, because we don't live in a democracy. We live in the United Corporations of America. And what's very interesting about this, what's very interesting about this is you would think Nancy Pelosi would have AOC's back today. You would be thinking wrong. You would be thinking wrong. Nancy Pelosi, quoted in Politico, Pelosi's efforts have paid off with Ocasio-Cortez, especially the freshman superstar told NPR on Wednesday that Pelosi has, quote, done a really good job so far even as Pelosi has sidestepped one of the left's priorities, a Green New Deal. So Ocasio-Cortez says Pelosi has done a very good job so far. I'm not particularly clear what she's talking about, but okay. Progressives had demanded a special climate change panel tasked with spe- specifically with drafting legislation to end the nation's reliance on fossil fuels in just over a decade and transform the economy. The California Democrat did agree to launch a select committee on climate change, similar to the one she created back in 2007 when she was first speaker. Pelosi said Wednesday, however, the panel would not be tasked with writing a specific bill and brushed off the idea of the Green New Deal as a suggestion. Quote, it will be one of several or maybe many suggestions that we receive, Pelosi said. The Green Dream or whatever they call it. Nobody knows what it is, but they're for it, right? Let me repeat that for you. It will be one of several or maybe many suggestions that we receive, Pelosi said. The Green Dream, or whatever they call it. Nobody knows what it is, but they're for it, right? 
yeah, you know, just vote for the Democrats. You know, we got to take on Trump. Vote for the Democrats. Uh, Nancy Pelosi, she'll work, you know. If you work with her, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, you know, she might surprise you. And, uh, you know, vote blue, no matter who. And blue wave and all that good stuff. So you have, on one hand, a president of the United States who has expanded offshore drilling, who has expanded fracking beyond belief, that is repealing clean water regulations, that is repealing uh, regulations on putting a cap on carbon emissions, uh, fuel efficiency standards. I mean, Donald Trump is a human wrecking ball when it comes to the climate, when it comes to the environment, when it comes to climate change. So how do you take out somebody like Donald Trump? By basically dismissing bold environmental legislation, by basically mocking the Green New Deal. Oh, a Green New Deal, the Green New Dream. Oh, that suggestion, uh, whatever they call it. Well, I don't, we don't really know what it does, but, you know, a Green New Dream. And I got to be honest with you. I got to be honest with you, if I'm keeping it real. I think Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Congresswoman Ocasio-Cortez, has done some great things so far. But I don't know what she was thinking because she's been playing nice with Speaker Pelosi. Uh, Speaker Pelosi is not your friend, Congresswoman. Uh, Speaker Pelosi is not any of our friends because she might sound nicer than Donald Trump uh, on, on social issues, just rhetorically. But she was she was up there clapping during the State of the Union when Trump put out, oh, we're the biggest foreign uh, oil exporter now. Well, Nancy Pelosi was clapping along with the rest of the Democratic Party. By the way, foreign exporters, meaning this is not for energy independence. It's all a con. All of these pipelines, all, all of this fracking and pipelines, it's not for energy independence. This is all being sent to China. Mexico, Poland, and many other countries. We're not using it. So Ocasio-Cortez and other progressives that are trying to be diplomatic and, you know, give the speaker room, well, as far as I know, this little committee Pelosi set up doesn't have subpoena power. She just said is not going to be actually putting forth a bill. There's no limit on uh, representatives of this committee taking fossil fuel money. And now you have Pelosi basically laughing at you. I mean, what do you think, who do you think this statement is meant, is telegraphed to? It will be one of several or maybe many suggestions that we receive. The Green Dream or whatever they call it. Nobody knows what it is, but they're for it. What, what, what do you think that, who do you think that's, Telegraph to. She's talking to Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. She's talking to progressives and saying, oh, you, you, you little protesters who protested outside my office. Oh, you're so cute. You're so cute with your signs. You're so cute with your concern for the planet. Oh, boy. You don't know how Washington works. And what does Nancy Pelosi care, really, you know? She's not going to be around. She's not going to be around when the rubber meets the road. She's not going to be around for the massive droughts, even worse billion-dollar calamity storms that we've been seeing. 
firefighters, firefight, fire, uh, forest fires from the east to the west. What does Nancy Pelosi care? What does the Democratic Party care? They don't care. It's about the money, Lebowski. They don't want to stop fossil fuel production because the Democratic Party takes fossil fuel money. Because the Democratic Party takes Wall Street money. And Wall Street heavily invested in pipelines. Wall Street heavily invested in fracking. Wall Street heavily invested in mining, in coal mining, in uranium mining. You you name it, Wall Street's invested in it. But Nancy Pelosi has the opportunity here to elevate somebody like Congresswoman Ocasio-Cortez, to elevate a Green New Deal, which is both very good for our economy, it goes hand in hand with all the layoffs we've seen in middle America, giving those people jobs, good paying jobs. But Nancy Pelosi mocks it as a dream. Well, Nancy Pelosi, I believe, has a, a whole litter of grandkids. Does she care if they live? Or is it just her donors? You know, maybe, maybe they're going to create a whole separate biodome for their wealthy donors so that when the climate peril, the, when the climate Armageddon comes, which some say is over the next decade or two, they'll be protected. I mean, it's unbelievable, the arrogance and the tone deafness. This committee that Nancy Pelosi's putting forward is a committee for show. It's, it's a joke. They're not going to do anything. They, they, they're worried about the more urgent threat. Russian trolls. Uh, you know, if Trump knew uh, about a meeting with a Russian attorney, shit that in 10 years nobody's going to care about. But, you know, in 10 years what, what we are going to have to worry about, not whether Trump uh, worked with the Russian government or if uh, Russian trolls influenced our election, we're going to have to worry about do we have enough water? Can we go outside longer than an hour a day? in the summer will there be more polar vortexes which since trump doesn't understand the difference between weather and climate uh the polar vortex and these arctic temperatures where they're not usually arctic is is coming from climate change and global warming i i i applaud congresswoman ocasio cortez's green new deal legislation but i hope nancy pelosi's dismissive attitude and arrogance uh, finally, you know, wakes, wakes her and progressives up that have been playing nice with Nancy Pelosi. You don't play nice with Nancy Pelosi. The Democratic Party establishment is just as corrupt, just as mafioso as the Republican Party. They just sound nicer. Is it time to, you know, sit and negotiate and play kumbaya with Nancy Pelosi and Steny Hoyer, and Dick Durbin, and all of these old, out-of-touch people who look down at people like from the Sunrise Movement, or climate activists, or protesters as, oh God, those progressives and their ideas, those progressives and their suggestions, their Green New Dream, or is it time to figuratively burn the fucking house down? But this is what I'm saying. As great as uh, Ocasio-Cortez being elected, as great as the new progressives have been elected, you know, you can't go in there. 
listening to your consultants or your advisors and saying, well, you know, let's try and be diplomatic. Let's try and negotiate. Let's try and compromise. Let's No, that's not what you're there for. You're dealing, you're dealing with corrupt uh, corporate cronies. I mean, that's what Nancy Pelosi is. She's a corrupt corporate crony, okay? Heavily invested from Wall Street. And Wall Street does not want a Green New Deal. Wall Street does not want Medicare for all. So what exactly, you know, when this political article says Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is saying Pelosi's done a great job so far, what exactly has she done that you're so encouraged by? The fact that she sent one of her top aides to go speak with Blue Cross Blue Shield and tell them, oh, don't worry, the Medicare for all thing, that's not happening. Don't worry about that. Or cheering for a Venezuelan coup. Or not proposing any government jobs programs. I haven't heard her loud or, or saying the Democratic Party wants to do something on General Motors layoffs, which I'm about to get to. You put forth this legislation, but you can't just fight Trump and the Republicans. You got to fight your own party and, and fight like they're just as bad as Republicans because they are. Nancy Pelosi is stomping on and stifling, forget a Green New Deal, any serious effort to curb emissions, to stop fracking. The story that we're going on the road for cover these General Motors layoffs, which to me, to me, is the, the definition of the disappearing middle class and the controlled demolition of the middle class. So General Motors has to lay off 15,000 people after getting a $55 billion bailout many years ago from the federal government. Only in America, you give a company $55 billion and then they lay off 15,000 people years later because there's no strings attached with the bailout. And by the way, I mean, shockingly, shockingly, here's the list. Democrat Debbie Stabenow, Senator from Michigan, she got 20400 from General Motors in 2012. She just got 29540 from General Motors in 2018 for her uh, re-election. You got Debbie Dingell, uh, a congresswoman from Michigan. 2014, she got 17600 bucks from General Motors. 2016, she got 10500 2018, she got 10000 Got Dan Kildee, represents Flint. 2014, $9,000 from uh, General Motors. 2016, 9125 2018, 10425 Then we go to Tim Ryan of Ohio, where another factory is being closed down of General Motors. 2014, he got nine grand. 2016, he got 8500 2018, he got 7020 Hmm. Better O'Rourke in 2018 got 13232 from General Motors. Hillary Clinton during the 2016 election, $86,616. 2016, Bernie Sanders, $32,819. Chuck Schumer in 2016 got 10,000 buckos. 10,000 buckos. So, hmm, our politicians are getting quite a lot of money. Oh, excuse me. It's not directly from General Motors. It's from individuals working at General Motors. But do you really think the hardworking uh, auto, auto workers at General Motors are so inspired by these Democratic politicians that they're flooding their campaigns with money? No. It's the executives and the business types at General Motors who are funding these campaigns. So how much money did General Motors make last year? 
probably they probably didn't make anything if they're laying off all these workers, right? General Motors relied on its profit-rich pickups to drive 2.8 billion in pre-tax earnings in the fourth quarter of 2018 as it spent about 1.3 billion on restructuring moves that are expected to ramp up this year. The automaker reported a pre-tax profit margin of 8% on 11.8 billion dollars of pre-tax profit. After taxes, the automaker made $8.1 billion on $147 billion in revenue. A company that just made $8.1 billion in profits is laying off 15,000 workers in North America. Let that sink in. 8.1 after taxes, and you're laying off 15,000 workers. And by the way, you're not just harming those workers, you're harming the teachers in those communities, you're harming the small business owners in those communities. General Motors and the employment that they provide are, you know, affects uh, small businesses who are not going to have customers because the employees are getting laid off. It affects the teachers whose students have parents that work for General Motors. It affects every, every part of a community. Yet General Motors... No strings attached. They get $55 billion in bailouts. They could lay people off so they could gorge profits. They say it's because, you know, people aren't buying uh, smaller sedans anymore, so we have to get rid of those cars, and we're moving towards electric and all that. Well, obviously, General Motors could find a way to utilize these workers to transition towards whatever new products they want to make. But they're making a choice to cut the fat because workers are not human beings, and General Motors doesn't look at themselves as an actual corporate citizen. It's a soulless, corrupt company. I want to play you this clip from uh, the, I believe it's the World Socialist website, but I thought it was very powerful. Uh, this was them in front of General Motors the other day. I'd like to welcome everyone here today. My name is Larry Porter. I'm the former Chrysler worker, auto worker and the Assistant National Secretary of the Socialist Equality Party in the United States. We are supporting the fight of auto workers and the formation of rank and file committees to oppose the job cuts and the difficult industrial and economic conditions that have been imposed on workers by the big three automakers and their suppliers. As any worker working in the auto plants know, and they rebelled against it by voting down the last contract, the automakers are making incredibly high profits from cheap labor. You now have four and five tiers of workers in any plant, with many temporary workers making poverty wages from a little above the minimum wage doing the same work as the higher tier workers at $28 an hour. All of it agreed to by the unions. There's a change mood of anger and rebellion in the U.S. and internationally. Workers and young people are looking for a way to fight against corporations and the policies of the government which have created these conditions. With me is Jerry White, the editor of the World Socialist website Auto Newsletter, 
that is co-sponsoring the demonstration to be held at this location this coming Saturday, February 9th at 2 p.m. Jerry will explain the purpose and the aims of the protest. I simply ask that you hold your questions until after he finishes. Jerry? Thank you. Thank you, Larry. This Saturday, February 9th at 2 p.m. in the afternoon, the steering committee of the coalition of rank and file committees will hold a demonstration right here in front of General Motors World Headquarters to mobilize working class opposition to the massive job cuts announced by GM, Ford, and other automakers. The jobs bloodbath was initiated yesterday when GM began laying off over 4,000 engineers, technicians, and other white-collar workers. It also emerged that Ford will eliminate the second shift at the Flat Rock assembly plant, wiping out 1,000 hourly workers' jobs by April the 1st. Each one of these layoffs will be a personal tragedy. And the 15,000 job cuts announced by General Motors will be multiplied many times over when related industries are hit. This will have a devastating impact on workers' families and their communities in Detroit, in Lordstown, Ohio, Oshawa, Ontario, and many other areas. Look what deindustrialization has already done to cities like Flint and Dayton, Ohio, where GM has left nothing behind except economic, social, and environmental catastrophe. A new round of closures will mean more home foreclosures, more opioid deaths and suicides, and more schools and social services starved of funding. This is being done for one purpose and one purpose only, to boost the profits of General Motors and further enrich its wealthy shareholders through dividend payments and stock buybacks. Tomorrow, as thousands of white-collar workers continue to be laid off, General Motors will announce its 2018 profits, which will show billions and billions more. In 1979, during the first Chrysler bailout, the United Auto Workers told workers that concessions would save their jobs. That set into motion four decades of, of endless concessions and givebacks that have never saved a single job. In 2009, the UAW again accepted sweeping concessions, including having the wages of all new hired workers. An organization like the UAW that accepts bribes from management, that has millions of dollars in GM stock, will do nothing to defend the jobs and livelihoods of workers. That is why the steering committee of the Coalition of Rank-and-File Committees called the February 9th demonstration. It is not to beg GM 
but to begin the mobilization of the working class in this city, across the U.S. and internationally to defend jobs and living standards. This initiative is being supported by the Socialist Equality Party and the World Socialist website Auto Worker Newsletter. All across the world, social anger against inequality is rising. As U.S. and Canadian workers are fighting GM and Ford, tens of thousands of Mexican sweatshop maquiladora workers are engaged in a courageous strike against the auto companies that feed the big three. 70,000 workers have set up their own independent strike committees to demand substantial wage increases. Now we oppose the anti-Mexican campaign by the UAW and Unifor and call for the unity of all U.S., Canadian and Mexican workers and workers throughout the world to defend the right to jobs. The Coalition of Rank and File Committees is determined that auto workers, whether they are white collar or blue collar, will not be the forgotten men and women of the 21st century. All of these workers belong to the bottom 90% of the world's population that produces the world's wealth, yet has no say-so over how it is distributed. So that is, uh, the, I believe, the World Socialist website. So you have General Motors, General Motors, who bought off all the politicians, laying off 15,000 people in the Midwest, and then you wonder why the Midwest would vote for an animal clown like Donald Trump. Then you wonder. While why people like Donald Trump, a fake populist, is attractive to people having their jobs sent to China, Mexico, Poland, or wherever it's going. GM, $8 billion in profits last year. $8 billion in profits. So what's the first thing to do? Lay off 15,000 people. A little bit more of this. Every worker has a great stake in fighting these plant closings and mass layoffs. We reject that, UA, that General Motors has the right to close these plants and impoverish the workers who made their profits. We insist that the right of the working class to a secure and good paying job must come first. And we are confident that the power of the working class, united and acting on its own independent initiative can stop these plants from closing. On Saturday, we will be assembling right here in front of GM headquarters. All workers, retirees and young people, the unemployed are welcome to participate. Bring delegations from your factories and workplaces, schools and communities to make your voices heard, to get involved, and get more information, go to wsws.org slash auto. Thank you very much. And I'm more than welcome to take any of your questions. Well, the UAW has a four-decade four record of boosting the profits of the corporations in the name of supposedly saving jobs. 
And in that period, since 1978, the number of jobs in the big three have fallen from 750,000 to 150,000. So we have no uh, belief that the UAW, which as I said, owns General Motors stock. Actually, the stock of General Motors increased the day they announced the shutdowns and the, the assets of the UAW increased. So this initiative is being taken by rank and file workers themselves. The steering committee of the coalition of rank and file committees was founded here in Detroit on December 9th. It includes rank and file auto workers from Indiana, Ohio, Michigan. It includes teachers, Amazon workers and others. And we are fighting, we see this demonstration as the beginning of a very powerful counteroffensive by working class people. So there you have uh, the socialists, the socialists doing what the Democratic Party should be doing right now, standing up for workers, standing up for the workers being tossed out like hot garbage by the corporations that are taking your money. Because who paid for General Motors bailout? Tell me, who paid for that? Certainly wasn't the billionaires. Certainly wasn't the billionaires who paid for General Motors bailout. It's disgusting. The whole thing is disgusting. So even though, uh, even though I, I, you know, I'm excited to go on the road and cover this, I'm not excited for people losing their jobs. But it's not just like there's no reason for these layoffs. They're giving these talking points. Oh, you know, people aren't buying the, the sedans anymore, so we're just not selling them, so we have to get rid of these workers. But in the same breath, you know, we're shifting to more electric cars. We're shifting to more, autom- uh, you know, automated, automated or automized, um, automated vehicles. Well, why can't these workers work on those cars? Why can't you shift these workers to work on other cars or another, uh, other developments within GM? that you can, they're trying to cut the fat because they need more money to their shareholders. They need more money for stock buybacks to drive up the share price. And they are greedy because in this country, corporations do not give a damn about their workers. And it's the workers who are creating that $8 billion profit, not the executives.